The Song Confessional Podcast is a co-production of KUT, KUTX Studios, and Good Taste Society. Hey, this is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to... Let me explain to you what we do here at the Song Confessional. So we collect anonymous stories. We call them confessions, right? So we get confessions from all kinds of people just like you who tell us all sorts of crazy things. We pick our favorite stories and we give them to songwriters and bands who turn them into original songs. On this podcast, you're going to hear the anonymous confession you're going to hear the song and inspired and then you're going to hear an interview with the songwriter or band who wrote and recorded the song i'm sitting here with my daddy who would never disown me if i told my mommy about the bad things that he did tell him your name daddy what's up son i'm zach Kenzero. and zach uh what's uh, what's going on with you these days how are you doing i think i'm doing pretty good you know, two years into the world ending and it's still here. So, cool. yeah, cool. We'll take it. We'll take it. What yeah. else we got? Sometimes you got to go searching for victories in this life. That's true. Uh, well, we have a collaboration today between two songwriters who actually did not know each other before they did this together. Who, uh, who wrote our song today? We've got the talented Jane Ellen Bryant and Tara Lightfoot. You might recognize Jane Ellen Bryant if you are an Austinite because Jane has released a full-length album and an EP worth of singles over the last few years. Initially, I would describe her music as sort of a pop Americana thing. These days, she's doing a project with fellow Austinite uh, Leopold. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not his real name, but he only goes by his stage name. So you might know him from Leopold and his fiction, his first band. Leopold Sans Fiction. This is Leopold Sans Fiction plus Jane Ellen Bryant. It's called Jane Leo. It's like a highly stylized sort of crooner duet project. They put out a, a slew of singles. A little funky by, dream pop in there too. It's like, it's really interesting stuff. It's great. It's uh, the stuff that's come out was produced by Danny Reich. It sounds amazing. Uh, you should check it out. A good place to start would be their cover of Something Stupid, a uh, Frank and Nancy Sinatra duet, which is a lot less weird when two beautiful people who could be in love and it wouldn't be incestuous are singing it. <laughs> uh, they also have an amazing single that that kind of launched the project called Tell Me I'm On Your Mind. It's really excellent. 
And uh, who's the other artist, Zach? We've got Tara Lightfoot. She is a Canadian roots rock singer songwriter. Uh, we'd probably say she's Americana if she was American. She's had four full length albums. Her 2017 album, New Mistakes, was nominated for two Juno Awards. She's toured her fucking ass off all over North America and the UK. Was honored by the Canadian Independent Touring Association for selling 25,000 tickets in a 12 month period, which as an independent artist is no joke. That's that's not easy to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, you kind of collaborated with both of them on this song. How did that come about? Yeah. So, uh, funny, funny thing that happens in the music industry. They do these things called songwriting camps. And there was a songwriting camp that I was a part of called create Toronto slash Austin. And they brought a bunch of Canadian songwriters down and paired them with a bunch of American songwriters, uh, who lived here in Austin. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to work with all sorts of really cool people that week. Uh, this song that you're about to hear was a session where I was supposed to quote, produce the song and Jane and Tara were the writers mm -hmm. and we got together. This was like day two or three. So each day we'd done a, a different, uh, camp or a different session with a different combination of writers. Yeah. What so were the typical prompts for the other clever because obviously were no, it wasn't all song song confessional related no no, 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 uh, no prompts at all no prompts at all okay. so we're sitting there all kind of scratching our head and and usually in a songwriting camp that uh publishing companies set up somebody is the main artist and you sort of figure out or know ahead of time who you're writing for mm -hmm. in this particular one neither jane or tara was sort of looking to write for a record so we didn't have a clear way forward with that. Uh, also, none of us were feeling particularly vulnerable that day and wanting to offer something up. So um, I offered up the song confessional. Hey, mm -hmm. we do this thing. We get, you know, we play these confessions. And, and Jane was already familiar with it because Jane has actually written a song for the song confessional way back in our election confession. Yeah, in our pre-podcast years. Mm -hmm. So she was familiar. They were down and... Um, we took this confession at Newport Folk Festival. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, it's one of those rare stories we get that really does qualify as a proper confession. Absolutely. I, um, in every, in every way, really. I was very bothered by this confession. I found it incredibly upsetting. I stayed up a lot of the night after I took it thinking about it. Uh, that is a warning for you guys. Yeah, you you may find it upsetting as well. It's some very sensitive material. Um, it, it deal well, and, and we should we should say what it deals with, which yeah. it deals with infidelity. Mm -hmm. It deals with um, shitty fucking dads, parental abandonment, parental abandonment. So, if those things are at all triggering for you, this episode is not for you. If you think that that might be therapeutic or beneficial for you to go through listening to something like this. The song is fantastic. And, and as is the confessor. She's amazing. She really is amazing uh, for a young person to not just have this much courage, but speak with so much clarity about a situation like this is really remarkable. And I hope that hearing this song brings you a lot of joy and you see how this terrible, awful thing you've been through can inspire things of beauty. So... Without further ado, here is our confession. Confession. Oh, 
it's all good. It's all good. Did you, uh, you have a chance to talk to those guys? You know what, what we're doing here? Yeah, so we're record a story, right? I have to tell a crazy story. Yeah, you can you can tell a crazy story or you can just talk about something you're working through, whatever, whatever you want to do. Okay. Something I'm working through. Okay, well, when I was little, when I was 12 years old, I found out that my father was cheating on my mother. Wow. I found out there was, I found text messages on his phone. And oh, wow. you discovered it? Yeah, I discovered it. I was playing games on his phone and I, I saw graphic things that I didn't need to see. And then um, I had to make a decision because my mom was away. I was, was I going to tell her or was I going to keep it to myself? Keep it to myself and keep my family or tell her and she was, you know, obviously things were going to get crazy. So obviously I told her and she flew home. She was in Paris. She flew home. And I have not spoken to my dad since then. So it's not even on my own accord. He doesn't like talking to me. He won't. He doesn't even like to look at me, you know, because it, apparently it's my fault. But Wait, so. So since you told your mother, your father has not spoken with you? Yeah. He does not talk to me. Um, How many he, years ago was it? Was this a long time ago? This was eight years ago. Wow. Yeah. And so they got divorced. They got divorced, yeah. And all my siblings, they still see him and they still hang out. Um, They spend a lot of time with him. He takes them on trips. He didn't pay for me to go to school even, for me to go to college. He pulled me out of, they had put me in private school my entire life. And then when I was 12, he tried to say that he wasn't going to pay for me anymore to go to school there, so luckily the school was gracious enough to give me a scholarship. And this is <laughs> and this is go. because he he blames you for... For telling my mom, yeah. Like, as if you're the reason their marriage ended? Exactly. So, wow. I know, yeah, it's, it's really crazy, because I, like, think about it a lot, and I try and say that, like, I know that it's not my fault, because I know it's not, but at the same time, it's a lot of guilt to carry, because I can't imagine, I don't know what my life would be like had I not said anything, or had I not even been on the phone, I don't know what would have happened. I'm guessing their marriage was bound to end at some point, but not because of something I did, you know? And it just sent everything in my life into a spiral. My older sister went to, um, she basically left and moved in with him, and- She moved in with your father? Yeah, with my, with my father. And then she it just was it just became crazy addicted to drugs and she almost died two years ago um she overdosed and then that was the first time my dad had called my mom he's my dad's weirdly angry at all of us but he he still has a relationship with some my siblings it's very strange but um he called my mom and asked her you know for help obviously with my older sister um so i saw him in passing when we visited her in the hospital but even then, he didn't even want to talk to me. Isn't that I, uh, I mean, I kind of hate your father just hearing you tell this right? story. Uh, yeah, I do too. I don't, you know, part of me is like, I, it made me into, you know, a stronger person. And I learned a lot about myself. And like, I obviously I had to grow up really fast because that night, like the messages were things there were like pictures and photographs and stuff like that from other women. Um, Cause I, once I saw one message, I kind of went looking a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. 
and um, he, I don't know, it, it was it was crazy. It was we were pretty. I was pretty blindsided by that. I just didn't think, you know, because your entire life, especially when you're like a 12 year old girl, and you're looking at your father, you think he's this, like he's the only man that I knew in my life, and you know, you're this, and it, it just kind of it ruined a lot of things for me growing up, just because I had such a hard time like understanding like what love really is, you know, because it feels like anybody could just pick up and leave, and it, and for some reason it feels like it's my fault. Even yeah. though I know it's not. <laughs> How has it affected your romantic relationships? Um, it's pretty rough. I I tend to, like, if I care about somebody, I don't really show it, and then I end up pushing everybody away. Or I'll be, if I'm with somebody, they end up, I'm with the wrong person, and, like, I've been cheated on a couple times because I, I pick the wrong people. I've been told I have a bad picker. That's what people say to, about me. <laughs> but then sometimes I find people that I really, really care about, and the second they start to show any type of interest, I just run. I flee. Because it's just like, I get, I just get so scared. And now I realize that, but I haven't been in a relationship in like two years, because I just feel like I, I hurt people, and I don't mean to. But it's just because I care. But sometimes I feel like me getting involved with somebody, it's only going to end because of myself, you know? It's, it's, it's kind of complicated. Well, the thing is, is it, it gives you control. Yeah, exactly. You That's know? exactly what it is. And so if you're, if you're the one, even if you're running away, even if you know you're not giving the relationship the chance it deserves, yeah. you're in control, yeah. which is better than... Somebody leaving. And also, I mean, the way your father has turned this around and to be this thing that you've somehow wronged him, I mean, he's wronged you. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, it's it's so strange, because you, you know, I, I try and find it in me. I want to find it in me to reach out to him one day, you know, but he doesn't, I know that he doesn't really want that, and I, I just can't imagine, like, he is, I wasn't invited to his wedding. Like, all my siblings were in the wedding party, and I don't, I wasn't there, you know? Like, how do you tell other people this story? How is it me that created the problem? Yeah, I found the information and everything, but what, what do you expect? What, it's very strange. What, is, what do your siblings have to say about this? I mean, do they blame you? Um, my younger siblings don't really know the entire story because I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to influence their opinion of him. I, I'm happy for them that they have this relationship with him because, like, they really care about him and and he cares about them. Mm -hmm. But my older sister, um, yeah, she doesn't. She does. She kind of blames me too in a way, because she doesn't really get along with my mom. So she moved in with my father and yeah. everything, and she doesn't like to talk about it. And she has some. She said has said things before about like how if I didn't, you know, pick up the phone, if I didn't do that, then like our, all of us would be totally different. Um, which is true, but it's, it also, it was bound to end, you know, somebody was gonna find out. But she, I don't know, she just runs from everything and she likes that, you know, he's my dad's like first, you know, they have a weird connection because he's her firstborn and stuff. And I was the middle child, <laughs> or I, I was the second child, so. 
Well, based on everything I've heard about your father, I could see him playing favorites. Yeah, so. for sure. And no, it must feel terrible, but I, I think you really did the right thing. Yeah, I think I did too. I don't regret it. I, I wish that maybe my mom, somebody had found out in, in a way that was easier, because it kind of, it, it brought me a lot closer to my mom, obviously, but it made our relationship just kind of strange in oh, a I'm sense. I'm sure, I'm sure. There were things that she had to explain to me and, and stuff when I'm, when I'm reading these messages, and I'm like, I don't even know what half this stuff means, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has to sexualize you at a young age. Exactly, and yeah. there's another crazy thing that I don't tell like anybody, but I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. So when I was seven, literally two people know about this, mm -hmm. um, my dad gave me, he used to have these like flash drive pens, mm -hmm. um, and he used to give them to us, they were from his office, and he gave me one, and I, opened, I was seven years old. I opened it, and I was just like playing around with it, I don't really know, and there were pictures on it of him with like other women oh my God. and stuff and I didn't I didn't know what it was and I didn't really because I when you're seven that I was just like okay like you weird can't photos. make sense of that yeah so I just threw it out and then I never mentioned it to anyone and then I realized that had I said something I probably wouldn't even have my little brother which is crazy so in that sense I'm glad I didn't say anything at, at that point because now I have my brother and you know I can't imagine life without him but it's one of those things where it's just like, it's affected so much of like my headspace when it comes to like intimacy and things like that. Like I just, it, everything scares me, you know? Yeah. It's bad. Well, I have to say that you, for such a traumatic and awful thing that this has been in your life, you're, you're able to talk about it um, very um, effortlessly and I don't know if you've been to therapy or anything, but it sounds like you've at least worked on this. Yeah, I've been in therapy. <laughs> I mean, I think that's great, though. That's yeah. such a huge burden to put on a on a 12-year-old. Yeah. Know? And and not to mention that, I mean, you you're, you still have so many relationships that you're going to have in your life. So it's not like, uh, it's not like they won't get better. Yeah. But, I mean, even just... just the, the clarity with which you speak about it is is really really impressive. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> and and so, how long were they married ultimately? They were married for sixteen years. Yeah, and now he's remarried. Yeah, wow. he lives in New York. He lives in the city. He has a house on Fire Island that he goes to. He spends most of the summers there. And what about your mother? Where is your mother now? Does she live in New York City as well? No, she lives in Bedford, New York, in upstate, which is where we, we grew up. Um, and she's remarried, and we have... I have a new stepdad who's all right. Is um, he good to your mother? No, not as good as he should be. Yeah. They, I don't I don't think it's... And she knows that. They don't... They should not be together, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's not a good guy. Um, but sometimes he makes her happy, so that's good. But... Did you and your mother must be pretty close, yeah? Yeah, very close. Yeah, I mean, that is the only, that is the bright side in this. Yeah, exactly. You probably, you guys have shared, been through some real shit together. Exactly, and it kind of became like, she's my mom, but she's also just, I'm kind of her person to lean on, so like, that was kind of always kind of hard, mm -hmm. because I'm like, she's the only parent that I have, you know, and I'm, she has my other siblings, but it's different, because she doesn't want to poison them against it, you know what I mean? She doesn't yeah, want to yeah. tell them everything, she just wants them to to figure things out on their own, mm -hmm. which eventually they will. Uh, but I, I hope he just treats them 
well for the rest of their lives. You know what I mean? That would yeah. be ideal because I don't, I wouldn't want to see them hurt, and neither would my mom. Yeah. But we're very close. But it's it's definitely a weird relationship because it's not like. It's, it's not. It's not typical. Yeah, it's not like a motherly. It's more of like she'll call me if she, she if she's going through something, and I I know everything about her, and she shares more and always has than a normal mother would. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, just talking to you through here, I can tell what a strong and courageous person you are. I'm sure. I'm sure it might not always. You might not feel that way every day, but like it's very. It's very evident in talking. And oh, thank you. Man, I hope we can we can create a real fuck you song here. That would be amazing. I would I would love to hear that, and I'm sure my mother would too. Yeah. And I'm sure he would too. <laughs> he would definitely love that. Yeah. And now here's somebody was gonna find out by Jane Ellen Bryant and Tara Lightfoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Hey, how's it going, Jim? Oh, good. How are you, Walker? Oh, I'm doing fine. Where are you right now? I'm in the studio. What are you working on? I'm doing a little mix. Yeah, it's uh, going well. You can't tell us the artist? Uh, it's Nettie from Trouble in the Streets. That's very cool. I look forward to hearing that. Yeah. Well, uh, normally I ask you about the production of this this track, but you actually don't know anything about it. So you have to ask me. Oh, boy. Um, cool. So, yeah, how did you... Uh, how'd the track come about, Walker? So uh, we were part of this songwriting camp, and the people who organized it had us with different writers, producers each day. And uh, on the second or third day, I was with Jane and Tara. None of us were particularly wanted to be written for, you know, none of us were like, I'm making an album, I'm looking mm-hmm. for a song. So we were a little stuck. And basically I brought up the song confessional project to them. They said, cool. I gave them the prompt, um, started working on it. And they really, really ran with it. and wrote most of the song and so basically at the end of the four hour session we were supposed to have a little demo um and since i was the quote-unquote producer i just threw up two mics uh to try to capture them doing it live and i did a really bad job of miking the guitar and the voice um they were out of phase which we don't have to necessarily explain here but it just sounded really bad together so Uh, I was trying to mix the recording and basically what you hear is just the one mic on their voices, which happened to catch enough guitar. Um, And then I sent it around and and we all really liked the song and had all these plans to re-record it. But uh, the pandemic happened and my computer crashed. So I no longer have the session that it was recorded from. So what you hear is actually just one mic that they performed live. That's cool. I think it sounds really good. I mean, I was actually going to point out that I don't hear any phase issues. Well, there's so only I'm one. I'm pretty mic. impressed. Yeah. Well, there's impressed. only one microphone, so yeah, it's I know. Pretty hard was, to have phase issues. Yeah. So I don't know. I was going to compliment you. So I think it sounds great. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. Um, I have one more question. Okay. So since this was a songwriting camp. Did y'all bring your own sleeping bags or, or how did they, how did that work? It was uh, at Camp Onawana in the, okay. no, it was actually at Arlen Studios. Oh, so we, they tried to convert Arlen into like, uh, you know, like five different rooms to write in, but it didn't fully work. And all the Canadian songwriters were staying in an Airbnb together and the rest of us were just at home but there was no like water activities or or anything yeah sounds like a boring camp but yeah track sounds good thank you well you'll hear more about the track and the writing of it in my interview with jane and tara what what was this confession about a horrible father can we begin there Yes, it oh, was, it's about a terrible father. Agree. Yeah, like somebody who disconnects from their progeny because they called them out. I don't have kids and I don't know what that connection is like, but I can't imagine severing it because someone uncovered something about me that was, you know, debilitating to me and it affected my life. Like, that uh, makes no yeah. sense to me. 
Yeah, this man must be just like crazy disconnected from himself in order to to do that to your child. And yeah, it's about a young kid who caught her father doing something and then he disowned her because of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bad father, really courageous kid and uh, really tough kid too. But she sounded just like so wise and um, like an old soul when you were talking to her. She just said this, like, even though she was like, I know that this is all bad. Like she just had this like groundedness about her, which is pretty miraculous considering everything that she's been through. Yeah. yeah and how, how old is, was she 18 or was she 20 when she gave the confession? Right around there. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah. right around there. Very Regardless, young. very, very young to have such such a handle on the situation. Yeah. So when you started writing songs, question for both of you individually, but when you started writing songs, uh, I, this was definitely never anything that I imagined writing a song about or being inspired by. Uh, what kind of what kind of stuff inspired you early on when you first started writing your own music? Like what was inspiring to you? my answer would be pretty standard. I would guess it's just, you know, heart, the pangs of heartbreak and trying to like navigate big emotions for the first time. Um, it was like my, my outlet, but it was, it was very much for myself. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Tara? Sa- same. I mean, I started writing in, I guess, middle school, high school, and uh, definitely the pangs of heartbreak. I echo you there, Jane. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm like, you know, I I didn't know it at the time, but I was also like writing these more powerful songs. Like I was in an all-girl punk band. So we were like writing about like women's issues in gym class, things like that. <laughs> That's cool. That's very cool. Uh, definitely songwriting was a way to process my own feelings uh, as a teenager, I think that's what started it for me. I mean, I think they all c- sort of came out as uh, tortured love songs. But w- one thing I thought is really remarkable about this song is I think you can have no idea what inspired it, and it still is really moving. That that was that's been my experience playing this song uh, for for various people who are involved with this project is they're like that is a really powerful song and then i tell them what it's about and their face melts a little bit they're just like oh my god (laughs) yeah and and really uh, jane's delivery is insane like what it's exactly what you're talking about like you were channeling another person's like her story i found it incredible like those verses you delivered i forgot I was like, did I sing a verse? And I was like, no, I did not. Uh, <laughs> For good reason. Happy. Like, it's so, it's so well done. It's so beautiful. I can't believe we all did this in a day. Like, this was really, really powerful. Um, and I didn't remember singing the verses. Like, I, I, I literally hadn't heard the song in years until this morning. And I was like, really taken aback by what we all did um, and what we channeled. So, yeah. I, I definitely. Did we have uh, a time I, limit, Walker? I don't know, almost a day. I felt like it was like one to five. Yeah. yeah. It's not a long time. Not all. long to write and like record it and 
you know, I guess it's the Nashville way or something, but I hadn't, I don't do that as often as most professional songwriters do. So it was, uh, it's pretty cool. My, my memory was definitely, uh, that maybe this isn't the right word, but Jane, you seem to have like a, a almost sense of responsibility to get the story, right? That's what I, one thing I really remember in the room. I, yeah. I don't know if when y'all listened back, like, I don't remember who said that that line of like somebody was gonna find out that like when she said that I don't remember who pointed that out but like listening back it definitely was such a like a moment in the interview and she says well somebody was gonna find out like you just felt like oh that's that's the song you know obviously we know what inspired the song but what's what's the song about taking away the story that inspired it what is the song about to me, it's about like relieving the burden for your uh, put on yourself. Um, like every there's this really great. Um, he calls himself the mind architect. His name is Peter Crone, and I listen to some of his podcasts. And he has this quote that's like, "I'm not. I'm going to butcher it, but it's something. It like it happened because that's the way it happened, and that's the only way it could have happened." Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like she's really struggling, rightfully so, with this idea that, you know, if, if I had done it differently or if this and that, whatever. And it's like, this is the only way it could have happened. Um, and to, like, lift that burden off yourself. Like, this was going to happen no matter what. Um, and you shouldn't have been put in this place in the first place. So even if you didn't know the story, I feel like we can all try have these, like, back and forth of, like, I wish it had gone this way or that way. And just sort of relieving that pressure of like, this is how it happened because it did, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I th- I don't write songs like that. Like, this one cuts to the core of the darkness. Mm-hmm. Like, at, at the end of the tune when I'm singing the Keep It In The Dark, they said, it, that gives me chills because it's like, whoa, this is literally processing that deep, deep, deep darkness that we all yeah. have in some shape or form and we're actually processing it through the song which is like i never i never do that because it's too it's too much yeah Yeah. you know it's usually too much for me or like for someone to overcome their own stuff but i think the beauty of of this being about a character if you will if we're not connecting it up with the story that we you know we get to separate ourselves i think that was like super healthy it's super healthy for everyone what you're doing, Walker. Like, it's so amazing because you're processing other people's emotions and, like, and the tough stuff for them. And you're giving it back to them on a plate and saying, yeah. here you go. We've tried to help you with this. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It really is. It's very, very kind of you guys to say. Uh, I think, you know, um, related to what you're saying, Tara, I, I, I found the more I've... Uh, kind of run a business being a musician as like a job mm-hmm. it kind of took me away from me just me personally but took really took me away from that original spark of what made music powerful to me which was being a teenager mm-hmm. and processing my life and like you know my, I my, I think a lot of what it made me want to write songs was just feeling really lonely as a kid you know, like I, I had some experiences as a teenager that kids don't normally have, you know? And so for me, writing songs was like this way to just put it all in. And, and as a result, 
you can, I connected with people through music, you know, so many of my friends I made because I was a musician and I, I, I've noticed that, you know, getting older and just doing it as a job, you know, it, you, I've gotten a lot, I've gotten very far away from that original spark. And yeah. I like, I like this project that we do because it kind of gets back to that thing. I mean, the way you, you put it is really w- nice. It's like we're, we're processing her feelings for her in a way. Right. Or we're, we're, I think there's something about when you make a song out of any experience, it universalizes it, even if it's completely abstract gibberish, you know? And I, that's something that I like getting to be near just period. You know, I think, I think it, because we all write songs and we're around songwriters all the time, we like take it for granted, but that is something that, you know, someone who's not a songwriter doesn't, they don't understand. They don't have that outlet. Yeah. I want to say um, thank you to that girl for sharing her story. Yeah. Cause I think that's really difficult. And I just, you know, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that we got to, to help in any way. If we did, I don't know. And, uh, and regardless, I'm just like, I'm happy that she opened me up to, you know, like yeah. her sharing helped me share more of who, who I am. Uh, heavy. Yeah. 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 I would say thank you to that girl as well. Just like walking in and opening herself up for that. Um, I just am so curious if she's heard it or if she ever will hear it and I wish we could get an update confessional we uh, we always send the song to the person that inspired it we don't always get feedback but we do love hearing it so if you're out there and you want to tell us how you're doing uh, I think everyone who heard this episode would love to know it was almost well, it was two and a half years two ago. Two and a half years. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a while, but but yeah, an, an update, especially uh, on episodes like this that that have a lot of emotion behind them and makes you really you know connect with that person, mm-hmm. makes you feel a lot of empathy for somebody, makes you feel like you know somebody that you don't really know. Uh, this was that kind of story. Yeah, I I uh, I have been on the creation side of music now for about two thirds of my life. So I don't fully remember the other side of it. I mean, I was, a, I was a child, but I connected with music very, very, very deeply. You know, I mean, I remember, uh, I had a girlfriend in elementary school. Naughty. Yeah. I don't think we talked. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't yet at the, the point in life where we blinked uh, at each other a few times. There was an understanding. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember when we broke up, I was really heartbroken. And I remember uh, understanding that Alanis Morissette album, Jagged Little Pill in a Whole New Way. Awesome. Still didn't really get you ought to know. Could not access those feelings. But but I say all that just to say that, um, you know, it, it might be therapeutic or not for this for this woman to hear this song that uh, was inspired by her horrific experience. But... Music can be therapeutic in so many ways, and I feel so blessed and lucky that I am that it has always been there for me. Whether it's creating it, 
listening to it or dancing to it or playing it as a form of release, you know? Yeah, it is It is an amazing universal release that I think even, even people that don't necessarily, you know, obsess with it on the level that people like us tend to, it, it's still... It's still there for people when they need it. And when you're happy, you want to listen to music and celebrate. When you're sad, you want to listen to music and cry. And mm-hmm. I mean, when you're indifferent, you want something to help pass the time. Yeah, it's it's it has those different emotions to kind of carry us through life. And it's I mean, it, it is the universal language and it, it connects all the all the tissue. Sometimes I forget that the this project really started because someone came up to me after a show and had this really intense connection with um, one of my old older albums and they said it helped them uh, the summer they lost their mom, you know, which is this very powerful thing to hear. And also that nothing about what inspired that record had anything to do with losing a parent, mm-hmm. you know, I, there's something that is possible with, I think, I think it's all art, but since we're just, focusing on music that people can get something out of it that you just can't plan for as the creator. Yeah. And also even as a person can't, aren't always like, you know, you're just not always ready for it. Yeah. It's extremely emotive, but you can't always control what emotion somebody's going to feel from it. I mean, you can have an intention, but yeah, no control over how how it's received. Mm-hmm. You know, you you put it out there, and whatever somebody's association or attachment is theirs, and it's not really up to the creator to say if that attachment's right or wrong. You know, that's that's kind of the magic behind it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Somebody Was Gonna Find Out was written by Jane Ellen Bryant, Tara Lightfoot, and myself, Walker Lukens. The guitar was played by Jane Ellen Bryant. She sang the lead vocal, and Tara sang the backup vocal. The theme song you heard at the top was written by me, Walker Lukens. It was performed by myself, by Zach, by James Wesley Essery, Sam Pankey. It was mixed and engineered by Jim Eno with assistance from Mr. Grant Epley, and it was mastered by Chris Longwood. The Song Confessional Podcast is produced by myself, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby, Jim Eno, Ryland Kettery, Mike Lee, and distributed by KUTX. If you like this podcast and you want to support us, the best thing you can do is send an episode to a friend which you think they will really enjoy. The second best thing you can do is follow us on social media. We are everywhere at The Song Confessional. We have so much coming this year, so please stay tuned. Thank you again to Jane Ellen Bryant and Tara Lightfoot. 